comes, it's Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter, the podcast that interviews the most interesting and influential people making an impact on Nashville's business, charitable, and entertainment scenes. Joining us now from his roving camper studio, here's Andrew. Welcome to episode 11 of Nashville Untold, and thank you for tuning in. Today in The Rambler, I'll be hosting Jeff Sanders. Jeff has a popular podcast called The 5 a.m. Miracle. He recently released the book called The Free Time Formula and is also the author of The 5 a.m. Miracle Morning, How to Dominate Your Day Before Breakfast. Mornings are key, in my opinion, because they make you set a routine for the rest of the day as well and into the evening. I hope you enjoy Jeff's story and the wisdom and insight that can be gained from it. Make sure to stay tuned in to hear Arliss Albritton sing a song he wrote that was cut by Luke Bryan. Hello, Nashville. I am sitting here with Jeff Sanders. Uh, We are sitting in the Rambler at Centennial Park, probably one of my favorite podcast locations. Mm. And uh, today couldn't be any prettier it's perfect isn't it it is yeah i was afraid you'd actually show up and you'd probably just go sorry i I need to go run you know (laughs) around the park do you ever run around here it's a great place to run yeah definitely i did my only 5k here Mm. yeah so uh jeff sanders is a keynote speaker author of the free time formula which launches this week it does um the 5 a.m miracle and founder of the rockin productivity academy Jeff is also the host of the 5 a.m. Miracle Podcast, which has ranked number one in iTunes in the self-help and business categories, been nominated for five podcast awards, and exceeded five million downloads. He also has won five Grammys for <laughs> song... Oh, how to make that up? <coughs> My bad. Uh, that sounds had, great, though. You had so many awards, I just wanted to keep going. Um, he is a plant-based marathon runner and a personal development junkie. Every week, uh, you can find Jeff writing and speaking. Um, and I've listened to the podcast, some great stuff. Mm. So you have to check that out. Um, so that's a little bit about Jeff. Um, and we're going to dive into a uh, speed round or kind of icebreaker because it's not so speedy. I still like the idea of the speed round. Mm. Um, and actually, we're experimenting a little bit with a, a different recorder. So hopefully this sounds great. Yeah. Um, another tech issue, a first which is so frustrating. You know what's tough sometimes is when you have an issue, sometimes you just got to let it go and move on. Mm -hmm. It's kind of hard sometimes, right? I've been through those (laughs) myself, and yeah, it's it's tough. (laughs) All right, so how long have you lived in Nashville? Uh, Nine years now. Yeah, my wife and I moved here from Boston, uh, which we were there for her to go to grad school. So only 18 months in Boston. We moved there from Missouri, which is where we're both from originally. Okay. So, yeah. All right, why'd you move to Nashville? Uh, kind of a weird story. We were living in Boston, and she, my wife, did not uh, necessarily love the town, and so she wanted to graduate as quickly as possible and get out of Boston. It's a cold city. It's expensive. It's uh, It was not quite our vibe, and so we were like, where can we move that's going to be more like, a, like our town to live in? And we wanted to be close to family, but not necessarily in the same town. Right. And so we literally looked at a map of the United States and drew a circle around the middle of Missouri. We're like, where within like a day's drive is there a city that we would want to move to? Right. And we really just arbitrarily picked Nashville and just moved without knowing anything about it. And we've been here for nine years, and it's great. Now, so why would you do something crazy like that? Although that sounds like 
what Natalie and I did. She had family in Georgia and mine was in Arkansas. And so we graduated and said, hey, we want to live in a decent sized city. So Nashville is right in between. Mm -hmm. And again, distance wise, six hours over here, seven over here. Yeah. And uh, moved here in 17 years and love it. Love the choice, you know. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's, uh, it's it's so kind of fun, though. Don't it you is. like just saying, hey, we just picked up and decided this is where we kind of want to start our life. Well, it's funny, too, because we signed a six month lease um, in an apartment just thinking, like, if we don't like it, we're going to get out of here fast. And we signed the lease, like, literally over, like, a fax. We didn't even, like, see the, the place. We just signed it over, like, over, over the phone and moved in. And, like, immediately we're like, this place is amazing. And so it was just a, a no-brainer to stay. And so, that yeah. was nine years ago. Uh, you yeah. know, and it, I mean, in my opinion, it keeps getting better and better. Totally. You know, I enjoy the growth. I don't enjoy the less parking, free parking, <laughs> where you could literally just park True. wherever. Now it's like everybody's buying up either one of the lots are being bought up and you got to pay or they're building something new. Right. But it is nice. They give you usually an hour, hour and a half for free, you know, in That's a lot true. of cases. So yeah. I kind of like that. All right. So you tell me where you moved from. What part of town do you live now and why did you choose that location? Uh, we chose Bellevue, which originally, we, like I said, we signed the, uh, our lease online. I think it's be, like literally we saw on the website for this apartment complex, they had a nice pool. And my wife was like, that looks pretty. Let's just move there and see what it looks like. And so we chose Bellevue arbitrarily at first. And then we just kind of fell in love with that area. And about three years ago, we bought a house in that same you know neighborhood area. And then we just, I don't know, it, it kind of just felt like a good fit. And we haven't ever, we, we, we considered other places in Nashville to move to. Right. Uh, but it's kind of our home now. So it's hard to, hard to leave. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you ever did decide to move, I know somebody that could help you for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so favorite restaurant? Favorite restaurant. Um, Locally in Nashville, I would say Publicity, which is a okay. local pub in Bellevue, actually. Um, it's a place that my wife and I go to frequently. Uh, they've got really good craft beer and uh, really good food. So, yeah, it's cool. a good place. I haven't heard of that one. New one to mark on my list. Um, actually, the the people, friends that were in town were going somewhere downtown. Haven't decided mm. where. Might do something like the Southern Cafe or mm. whatever that, or the Southern, I think it is. Yeah. And then so we're close and hit somewhere downtown. Um, favorite hobby? Favorite hobby. Um, I would call running a hobby, sort of, but I think that recently, um, kind of the last like, year or so, I started doing some woodworking uh, as a hobby. Um, I started to build some cornhole boards. Yes, I, wanted, I saw that. Yeah, I, I got really into that because I had, a, my brother does a lot of woodworking himself. Like he does like handcrafted wooden uh, kayak paddles. And he's like, he's an artist. And he's really good at it. And I was always like, well, I'm not talented like that, but I want to do something with my hands, like build something. Mostly because I spend all day on the computer. And I was like, I want to get off the computer and do something for fun. And so about a year ago, I started just to build some cornhole boards for fun. And it, I got really into it. Now really started you, to enjoy it. Are you building them for other people? Or just I'm not. Okay. Um, I've been asked to do that. Um, it's very time consuming, which okay. I which I like. But like to do it for somebody else, I think they'd be annoyed at how long it takes me to finish. Really? It. So, so, well, I, I saw it, and I would yeah. like to have a couple. And I figured I could I could make them, but I guess yeah. just you could maybe have to give me some measurements or something. Well, I followed a guy's like kind of okay. DIY like list online. He had the whole like breakdown of how to yeah. do it, and so I just followed his instructions. And I was like, I'm not crafty by nature, right. but I pulled it off. So and they look nice. Yeah, nice. Um, so tell me something unique about yourself. 
Something unique, that's a good question. I like to run long distances. I don't know if there's anything unique about me, but. Well, the distance that you the, like to run the is The distance unique. probably is the thing. Which um, is, what's the longest you run? Longest is 36 miles. Uh, which I did actually in Franklin, Tennessee, um, I, kind of on my own. It wasn't even a sanctioned race. I just chose to go for a long run, and my goal was to get, run 40 miles, and I got to 36 and literally was like, if I run a step further, I might die. So I had to call my wife. I was literally in the, in the middle of a road and somewhere in Franklin. I was like, I don't know where I am. Please come find me and pick me up. So you were trying <laughs> to pretend like you were um, Tom Hanks? Oh, like Forrest Gump? Yeah, Forrest Gump. Yeah, right. oh, it was. It, like, it was one of those moments where I was like, I'm did done. Did you have people following you and everything? No, no. I wish. Actually, I think people thought that I was like a homeless man or something. I just looked so beat up and like I was laying on the side of the road, like literally laying down, like I can't go any further. That's crazy, man. <laughs> That's crazy. So, where is one of the most exciting places you visited? Most exciting, I, was, I want to say it's my study abroad trip in college. I spent a semester in Prague in the Czech Republic. And that city is amazing. There is so much uh, this culture and history, and it's, it's so different from anywhere else I've ever been in my entire life. I feel like that it was a place I kind of chose because my school had you know a partnership with theirs, a school there, and so I thought it'd be fun to go. But I just did not realize how incredible it would be, and it's it's a phenomenal town. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I do have to say, uh, my wife and I we went to Boston for my fortieth. And I enjoy the city, and maybe it's just a city that is fun to visit as well, and it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so in a in a few minutes or so, give me a snapshot of yourself and what you have going on. Well, I would say right in the last couple of years, my life has been focused on podcasting, writing books, um, kind of growing my productivity kind of space that I've been I've been working on. Um, it's a lot of, of work that I never really thought I would do full time. I think that kind of my story started when I was just out of college. Um, my wife and I moved to Boston. I took a full time job in door to door sales. And I did that because they were hiring and it was easy to walk in the door and get a job. But it was a terrible job. I mean, what were you it, selling? I was selling Verizon business phone okay. service. Nice. So walking into a business door to door and trying to get them to upgrade their phones. Um, you get yelled at a lot when you do that sort of work. Do you not see that sign? Yes. No soliciting? Yes. Oh, God. Oh, no, oh. I didn't see it at all. Yeah, exactly. That, that was my line. Like, what sign? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was tough. Um, but what, what I loved about that job was that my boss I was really obsessed with John Maxwell and loved personal development and loved everything about that. And I knew nothing about it at all. So my boss said, read this book, you know, in your first week, and then we'll kind of go from there. And I was obsessed with John Maxwell. It was all of a sudden, I was like, this book is great. This guy is great. And I realized over the course of the next few months that there was a whole world I didn't know about in this world of personal development and, and people that were full-time speakers and writers and you know they were creating content and getting paid to do it. And I realized right then, like I need to do that for my life. Like That's what I wanna do. I don't know how I'm gonna do that. I don't know when it's gonna happen. I don't know what the steps are, but I'm gonna figure it out. And so it wasn't for maybe six or seven years beyond that that I finally was able to do that full-time. But I, I knew the whole time, like, I'm going to, you know, write blog posts or launch a podcast mm-hmm. or just self-publish a book or do whatever it takes to kind of get myself going in that regard. And so that's what I did. Like, I worked full-time jobs that I usually didn't like that much. Then on the side, I was kind of growing this thing. And then eventually I got at a job a few years ago that um, the company went bankrupt. I got laid off. And I said, now's the time. We're going to go full-time with this and just make it work. And it's been, you know, three and a half years since then. And 
Here we are. So that's awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> and now you're about to this week launching a book. That's right. Um, we'll talk about that in a little bit. All right. So uh, imagine you're taking a jog around Stevens Lake Park, and you see something that makes you think about your younger years. As you take a breather on a park bench and begin to reflect back to those years, what were some of the key influencers in your life during those younger years? I would say my biggest influence would be my, I had a couple of close friends that were really into things that I didn't, I was really into myself. Like I was, I was, I was a follower as a kid. I didn't really take the lead in anything. I just kind of, I found somebody who had a strong personality and I latched onto them. Uh, I had one friend who was really into sports. Uh, his dad was the football coach of our high school. Um, they were our neighbors close by and their whole family was just like a bunch of brute athletes. I mean, they were tough people. And so, I loved them. They were great, and I they, kind of, they forced me to break out of my shell a lot in terms of being more physically active and trying things I never tried before. And then I had another friend at school who was really into theater, and I ended up doing a lot of musical theater and a lot of choir and a lot of other stuff that I never thought that I would do. And then ultimately, I, ended up, I got a college degree in theater because it's like I was. It became part of kind mm -hmm. of what I was doing. But I, I never really had my own voice as a kid. And that's, I think, why I latched on to podcasting later on in life and blogging and speaking and writing. Because for a long time, I was just kind of following along other people's lead and doing what they wanted to do, which was great for a long time. But then at some point, I realized, like, who am I? Like, I don't know what it, I actually love to do or what right. I actually am here for. I know what other people love to do, and it's fun to tag along, but, like, I need to have my own thing. And so that's, I think, later on when I finally realized... I need to figure out who I am, and then once I, or as I'm doing that, share that experience, which is a lot of what my blogging was about, was like, I don't know what I'm doing right now, what's that gonna look like, and let's talk about that, and then unpack that, and I feel like that's where I found my voice, was in just like, yeah, getting it out there over time. <clears throat> that's interesting, because uh, my son, my oldest, he, he did Annie mm. this uh, weekend, and I uh, did a great job, he had a pimpin' suit, he was uh, <laughs> Bert, Bert Healy. But then he also has friends. He's got a good friend that loves Predator, Predator's hockey. So now he loves hockey. Yeah. And so it's funny to watch because, you know, I guess I'm the type. It's like, hey, just let him kind of flow and what he wants to do. But then there's also a part of me that's like, all right, I don't want you to always want to like something because somebody else likes it. Mm, I want you yeah. to take your own lead. And I think that's probably he would lead, lead, lean that way you know, to a stronger personality. Um, and obviously a lot of kids just like that are doing stuff you'd like to do. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting because like, how do you, as a parent, because you were a kid then, mm -hmm. um, how do you think you guide your kid to have that independence, but yet know that the reality is, is he's gonna do what his friends are doing too. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think that a lot of it, I know as a kid, I was encouraged by my parents to just try a lot of new things. And that was one thing I've realized over time was really helpful, was that I was able to like play a sport that I never played before, see if I like it. You know, most sports I tried, I didn't like, and I wasn't any good at, but eventually I found a couple that I was good at. And then once I found those, I had lots of experiences to draw from. And I feel like mm -hmm. that over time gave me more of a sense of confidence and like, this is what I was born to do, or this is what I'm really meant for, because I've tried other stuff and it wasn't for me, but this feels right. I feel like the more that I've kind of explored different jobs or different exactly. Exactly. or whatever, yep. I know so much more about myself because I've done things that didn't work. Right. It's, yeah, just as you were saying that, I thought, well, that's like as adult you go through, unless you're in a job for 30 years. Right. You try this, you do this, and like what I'm doing 
in real estate, but now even doing this, like, mm. and the fun part is, is tying it all together, but mm. it's because of those experiences and trying different stuff. I could do this, right. you know, it was yeah, having totally. that goal to try something and the confidence to go, hey, it's already screwed up. I mean, let's save some money and try to fix it. I can't make it any worse. That was really the mindset, <laughs> you know? Good. Yeah, that works. And that's how, you know, I could, I could figure stuff out. So yeah, that's, uh, that's cool. Cause I'm actually, even this morning or last night, I was thinking, he, uh, Bryce wants to play hockey. Mm. I don't really want to drive all the way to the Ford Center. Mm. But I'm like, man, it's something he's really like, really wants to do. So I'm thinking, all right, I might just have to die to self and get <laughs> in the car and cruise him. So that's uh, good insight. So late one evening, we're sitting on, around a campfire and the Smokies reflecting on some deep thoughts. What are a few moments along your journey that helped shape who you are today? Moments in my journey. I would say there's a couple of key things the first one that stands out to me is just my college experience. Um, I think it was just tied into what we just talked about of finding my own voice. College was the first time where I broke away from like that core group of friends I had in, you know, in high school. My first chance to kind of like reinvent myself overnight because all of a sudden I was surrounded by people I don't know because I went to college in a different town and it was a whole new brand new experience. And I think for those, those four years that I was there, it was like, okay, let's just find out what's going on with me. Let's meet new people and see what's going on. And I think I discovered a lot about me that I didn't like, which I was then able to address and fix and like explore. And like that was really impactful for me. And then the same thing happened again, the second I graduated college and my wife and I moved to Boston and all of a sudden it was, I'm in a brand new town, a brand new career. Like, what am I gonna do again? I think those moments where I was forced to like reinvent myself and rebuild who I thought I was, those are the moments I grew the most. Like I distinctly remember going to Boston in those first six months being like, okay, how do you rent an apartment? How do you get a job? How do you do all these, how do you manage your finances? Like I, all these adultish things that at that point I had done none of or not well enough. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like those moments where I was confronted with like a big smack in the face challenge, it was hard, but like that's where I really grew. That's where I really formed a lot of who I am. And so and I now kind of intentionally choose those. Like if I go run a long marathon, I'm opting into that. But I also know that if I do that, I'm confronted with a lot of challenge that I have to overcome. I feel like that's what I want more in my life. And now I can choose, hopefully, when those things happen more often. But that's what I think really shapes me. Yeah. And uh, of course, as you're talking, it makes me think, and maybe it's just because I watched my favorite movie again, Shawshank Redemption. Mm. You go to a new city, you're all alone. Yeah. It's like, get busy living or get busy dying. Yes. Right? Yes, and, uh, exactly. You know, you could stay in your shell and, you know, just go, woe is me, or you can just get out and, you know, meet people and mm -hmm. you know, experience life, you know, it's, it's uh, pretty awesome. So that's cool. So it's really, you were, I mean, you were kind of forced, but you also chose to, uh, to get out. Exactly. And yeah. yourself. And obviously, I mean, as you're talking, I'm like, you, you have to be very self-reflective or, uh, you know, yeah. looking, questioning yourself, you know, a lot. Yeah. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not self-reflective, but, uh, I'm not sure. We'll move no. on. <laughs> <laughs> if you're stranded on an island and you had just eaten 10 bananas mm. and you had one left to use to make a few phone calls. Who would you call to let them know that they had made a huge impact on your life and why? 
Mm, huge impact. So many people to choose from. There was one uh, teacher that I had actually growing up. Um, I met in fifth grade, and then we ended up working together on various projects up until I graduated high school. Um, he was a musical theater director slash teacher slash kind of personal like life coach. I was like, these had a lot of like value in my life growing up, and he was really amazing at helping me confront things that I was scared of. Um, especially in, the, in regards to like, you know, being an actor or a singer or being on stage. Like those are very, like most people are scared of public speaking. And so I was like, no, I was like anybody else. Like I get on stage as a fifth grader, like I might pee my pants. I'm like nervous, you know, that sort of thing. So he was able to help me like overcome all of that, um, figure out how to have self-confidence, how to speak in a microphone, how to speak with confidence. And I felt like there was so much and just personal self-confidence that came from working directly with him on various projects and, you know, plays that I was in or, you know, skits that we would do or every single time it was like there's an intentional prioritization of how can we like stretch you more here? How can you grow more here? And I feel like I took all of that into, I mean, the work that I now do. It's like there's so much that happened in those years of figuring out like, you know, I can do a lot more than I think. I had a lot of like limiting beliefs of, of myself. And I found that having someone like him around was just phenomenal. Yeah, well, it's cool. It uh, which <clears throat> do you like the banana question? I threw the that banana. That was good. Talk yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, which it, you know makes me think it's like you know as you're going through life and hearing some of these stories I've heard in that question and seeing how people influence. It's like you know we should always be aware of like who's someone around us. Obviously, kids are an easy one, but somebody else that you know, is in your circle of influence that you can pour into because, mm. I mean, it really impacts people's lives, you know. Totally. Um, yeah, I was talking to somebody the other day, and uh, I'm like, yeah, one-on-one, I'm great. But you get me in front. I mean, I could be in front of this mic mm-hmm. with 80 people, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm nervous, and it's so annoying because I'm yeah. like, why am I nervous? I'm like, I'm just asking a question, you know? <laughs> and so then I had to, you know, think something stupid, you know, to, to, and, uh, but I, but I take it just like that. It's experience. Yeah. Some people are probably natural, natural at it. Right. But then some people, it just takes over and over and over. I right? think for most people, it's, there's such a skill set necessary there. Like it's most like I've learned a lot when doing theater, there's people that have, let's say a natural talent at singing. And then you take somebody else who practices a lot and they're very disciplined. Right. The person who's disciplined is going to have more success. True. They're going to okay. get farther along. If the talented person doesn't ever practice, they're never going to get anywhere. They'll get some attention at first, but they'll, they'll fizzle because they didn't have that built up kind of practice, you know, and innate with them. So you have to, you have to really take it seriously if you want something to work. I feel like public speaking is no different. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. All right, so I was I was listening to the Five AM Miracle podcast um, the other day, and I heard the episode "Panic Attacks," mm. the free time formula bonus snippet number three. Um, in there, you noted you need to be um, willing to admit when you are failing. You also noted there are there is a consequence to always wanting to look at life through rose-colored glasses. Taking off those glasses for a minute, what struggles can you share along your journey? And what effect did it have on your life? And how did you come out a better person? Well, and that whole episode of the podcast is um, awesome. And there's, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but as I wrote that, I'm like, hopefully when I took those two out, I know there's a lot of context in just mm-hmm. that eight minutes. So mm-hmm. check it out. But yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, that episode I mean, came directly from my personal experience that was kind of wrapped into my new book, which is I really wrote 
in response to kind of my own struggles I went through, um, really starting about a year ago, uh, you know, as a productivity guy and a guy that like, you know, a 5 a.m. miracle guy, like I wake up early, get things done. Like my whole life story in the last like, 10 years or so is based on me being ambitious and like willing to try new things and set big goals. And so because I've defined myself like that, I just find that I, I for a long time believed I can do this forever. Like I can just keep this pace going. I can run more marathons, push harder, fight if I have to, like stay up later. Like I can do whatever it takes to make something work. But I reached a point last year where my schedule was so packed. I had committed to so many goals. I was getting myself so stressed out that I realized pushing harder doesn't solve this problem. Like I am, I'm about to break. And then I ultimately kind of did because I found myself in the emergency room for a stress-related condition. Like I literally almost killed myself by, by working so hard. And now not that I'm like a workaholic by nature, it just, this kind of grew over time of me kind of saying like, well, if I push harder, I get, I get more results. And the problem is, is that that's true. Like if you do push harder, things work better, but you can't, that doesn't last forever. You cannot just continue to apply that same advice for everything. And so I didn't really stop myself from working too hard. And I found myself having panic attacks, having stress related conditions, having these weird struggles that in the past never existed for me. Because in the past it was either I had enough structure to hold me back and like have some margin, or I was just able to push through because I was young and didn't really care what the consequences would be. But like I'm in a place now in my life where if I want better results, I have to reconfigure my life to prioritize what matters, which includes taking times for breaks, taking times for margin and like taking a nap if you if you want to, like whatever it is to like have that balance between the work hard and the play hard. And I feel like I missed that and I, and I, I screwed up in a very royal way. And so side effects of that were things like panic attacks where I just I was I'd have these moments where it's like I just can't process what I'm doing because I said yes to so many things. So I'm still kind of in the winding down phase of all of that, still restructuring my life to make it all work. I've definitely found a lot of things that are, are, are working really well, and so I'm excited about that. Um, it's, it's also hard for me because I've thought of myself as this productivity guy for so many years, and now I have to kind of reshape, like, what's my image going to be to the rest of the world along with myself? Like, who do I want to become, and what does that look like? And so I'm still figuring those kinds of things out. But Well, and everything yeah. you're saying makes me think boundaries. Yeah. You know, just like you're yes. running. Yes. 36 miles, you had no boundary in what you could do, how hard you could push yourself. Right. Until you pushed yourself to the point of exhaustion, and then somebody had to come pick you up. Yep. Um, and what happens if somebody doesn't answer the call right. and you really run one mile too farther, farther, yeah. too far, you know? And then even now, so you have a new one on the way. Mm -hmm. Like, I do. And you also have a life. Yes. So you got to have those boundaries. And I'm sure she's probably been screaming at you over the last <laughs> one or two years because I know my wife does. And I think yeah. the hard thing is, too, because, like, yeah, you know, your mind's always like, how can I be more efficient? You know, and then also you would you enjoy what you're doing, you know, I assume. Yes. And so, you know, the more productive, but it's just like anything, there's got to be a time to shut down and mm -hmm. you know, give to others as yes. well, which you're giving to others in a, in a way. But so, yeah, it makes me think boundaries, you know, mm -hmm. you'll have to have more of those here in a couple of months. So. That's correct. <laughs> uh, so that's good that you kind of came to that realization, you know, mm -hmm. then. Um, so cool. So it's 5 a.m. Your alarm clock goes off. You know you need to get up. You want to get up, but you wake up remembering a tough moment from the day before. 
What do you do to get yourself out of bed and face the new day and possible tough situation? My general attitude towards things that are like that, let's say something that's like a problem that's bugging me that I haven't resolved yet or something, my tendency is to just face whatever it is head on as fast as I can, uh, which generally does work pretty well. Not all problems can be solved that fast, but I feel as though in the past and in today, when I have an issue, I will just look at it and ask myself, what is the fastest, most direct solution to this? If it sucks or if it's hard, I don't care. I'm just gonna get to the solution as fast as I can. Uh, that attitude is also what led me to be burning myself out. But at the same time, it's like that tends to be what I, I lean towards is, you know, I don't wanna have something lingering for too long. I don't want something to keep me awake at night. Like I wanna be able to right. say, I solved it, I'm moving on now. Uh, sometimes I can't, and so in those moments, it's five o'clock and I'm, I'm being bothered by something. If I can't address the problem immediately, the next best thing that I like to do is do something that I can control that makes me feel better. So I'm like, I'll do the laundry. I'll you know clean the house. I will answer my emails. I do something that says like, okay, I'm being productive. I move my life forward. Something's happening, and then I take that energy and then move it into that next the area that's been bothering me, and kind of having a fresher perspective towards it, feeling a little more confident, a little more you know productive for the day. Uh, so I tend to lean on things where like, if I can get that sense of like I checked the box and right. I got some success under my belt, uh, that tends to help as well as far as keeping me with like a positive attitude and moving forward. Productivity. Yeah, right? exactly. Absolute productivity. Exactly. Well, so in thinking about like I know your brain's always thinking. So what do you apply in the evenings to when you're going to bed? You know, it's like how do you shut your mind off? <laughs> like. I, I watch aimless, nonsensical television. Okay. Intentionally. Right. Because I need something that distracts me. Because in the, in the past, I would you know read a personal development book at night before bed. That's the worst thing to read before sleep because you're never gonna go to sleep. You're like, I got this new idea. I'm gonna try something else, and like you stay up forever, or you're like, or you're working on a problem and you can't you know let it go. I need something that's not related to my real life. Like I watch Family Guy, for example, like a silly cartoon because I need something to say like you're done. Right. The day's over let your brain go, go to sleep. Yeah. And it works really well. So. Yeah. Well, I've, I've had to learn to, because uh, if, like, I would love to sleep on my back, but I can't because I think, you know. Mm. And so I'll go to sleep now with an earbud. And somebody needs to invent something to where, you know, it's, I don't know, it's easier to sleep with listening to music in your ear because I don't listen to it because my wife doesn't want to hear what I'm right, listening to. Right, right. But it's kind of nice, calm. I can even listen to a message, you know, mm. on a podcast. Yeah. You know, and it'll it just turns my brain off from thinking about everything, right? Because you know? I'm I'm like you, always thinking of something more to do. Just like my shower moment this morning. You my know? uncle has hearing aids that are attached to his iPhone. Okay. And he can actually listen to music or podcasts uh, or whatever yeah. he wants. It's all built in, which is a benefit to hearing aids. I've never yeah, never thought was a thing. And he aids. loves them. He's obsessed with them, and he always showing me all the different apps and like tricks he can do with it. It's very cool. So I guess I just need to get a hearing aid. That's right. <laughs> so uh, you've just set out to complete an ultra marathon. You are a few miles in, and there appears a recliner with a bowl of a bowl full of fruit and veggies. A mile later, you notice your favorite coffee shop is giving away free coffee. Two miles later, you notice a super bright, shiny object. How in the world do you keep all those distractions out of your life and stay focused on the task at hand? Depending on my mood of the day, I think that I'm, I can be really good at staying focused or I will dip into every distraction I see. 
it's it's weird because I feel like in, in a general sense, I'm really good at being laser focused. Like I'm really good at saying, here's the thing that I want. I'll go directly after it, and I can just like you know tunnel vision and block everything else. There's other days where that never works. <laughs> I think it's really weird how I just it's kind of hit and miss in that regard. If I find myself getting distracted and I know something needs to get done. Usually if it's a deadline that I have to hit, I'm really good at staying focused. Um, so if I'm working on something that doesn't really have a deadline or it's like an optional project or it's not really super important, those are the times where I get distracted very easily. And so knowing that, I try to schedule my life in a way where I'm doing things that are important. They are, you know, something is due soon or something has to be accomplished quickly uh, because that's the easiest way for me to stay focused is having that sense of prioritization built in. If I'm actually running a marathon, you know, that's a clear sense of priority there because, like, I'm after the fin you know, finish line. Right. I'm gonna get that medal or my neck or whatever it is I'm going for. And then, and in those moments where I have a clear sense of what I want, right, then it's easier to stay focused. If I was never committed to the goal in the first place, then it's easy to walk away from it. Um, actually, in a very literal sense, I was running a marathon where I had family that was visiting in town that weekend, and they were gonna like watch me along the race and like you know different checkpoints. They would like wave hi to me and say hello. And I remember thinking in the middle of the race, like I would rather be hanging out with them than running this race. And so literally I stopped in the middle of the race and left. <laughs> and like I never in my life done that before. I just walked off the course because I was literally like, I don't want to be here. Right. Like my priority right now in this weekend is them, not this race, which is a weird thing for me to do, but like I, it was what I wanted to do. It probably meant a lot to them too, though. Well, actually, they were mad at me. Uh, <laughs> they were they thought I was a quitter, and they were upset with me. So it was just like this. That was a frustrating moment. Like, so you had to leave the house and go run again, yeah, right? exactly. and work out the steam. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So with yeah. all the productivity you have and the five a.m., you know everything you're teaching on that. How well are you with not procrastinating? Like I think about when I got here today, it's like. I have a, I would say I have a natural tendency to kind of push stuff and even knowing, you know, hey, it takes 15 minutes and, you know, I can get around traffic, but are you pretty, are you pretty proactive with stuff? I would say procrastination is not something I deal with mostly because of my attitude towards how I schedule things. Like I either get something done super early in advance or if it's something that I've been postponing, it's generally because it doesn't have to happen at all or it's something that somebody else needs to take care of. Or I, I, don't, I generally don't find myself like wait till the last minute on things, probably because I'm kind of psychotic when it comes to getting things done quickly. Right. Um, but at the same time, I know from past experiences that that bugs me. When something is not getting done, it really irks me. And so I can't, like I cannot move forward. And I guess mentally can't do it. Right. And so for me, it's almost impossible to procrastinate because it, it bothers me so much. You gotta check it off really quick. Yeah. Man, I wish I had that. So how would you define the word impact and how are you impacting the others? I would say impact is that you cause someone to change in some way, rethink what's going on in their life, have a new direction, um, which is one thing I focus on and that's what I do in my podcasts and my books and my speeches. Like I'm always trying to figure out how do I offer something of value to someone that they can tangibly put into action today. Like as a productivity guy, like I love taking action steps and having direct, tangible the success you can get, not just philosophical questions to ponder on, but like an actual, here's something to do today. Because I find that in my life, the, the times when I grew the most was when I 
got up and did something that changed my life that day. And that's what I'm, that's what I want to see to other people is that, you know, if you're struggling with a health issue or you're struggling at work, like what can you do today that would cause you to then not have that issue tomorrow? And that to me is what, if I can't impact someone in that way to get them to change, they're the one doing all the work. I'm just the kind of that catalyst that begins the process. That's what I really want to see happen. Yeah, that's cool. So staying focused on your podcast and the blog and mm-hmm. being consistent, you know, with that is making a big impact in people's lives. Yeah. That's cool. So fear, it's everywhere. What advice would you give the listeners to push through, to pursue their dreams, their so-called crazy ideas, to leave a job they hate, to make that commitment? Fear is very real. I face it all the time, even on things I've done a hundred times. Um, I think one thing that's funny about fear is that initially, like it'll be the worst in the beginning, but as you face something, the fear diminishes, but it's always gonna be there in some level. Like it's weird to me how that's true. Like for, in most cases, you're even the professionals, people have done, you know I, know, I know a guy that was an actor for 30 years, still throws up before every performance. Like. 30 years into it, he's still nervous to do what he does. And it's like, that's the kind of thing where you you realize that fear is not gonna go away. It's probably gonna be in everyone's lives all the time for all kinds of reasons, but you have to live your life anyway. You have to literally just step into kind of the craziness, knowing it's gonna be there. Um, And then of course, in some many cases, the the fear does dissipate to the point where it's not actually a factor and you don't care anymore and you actually can conquer it. But I think it's, it's about acknowledging that most of us that are doing anything have either dealt with it before, are dealing with it now, uh, are finding ways to get around it. Like, there's a way to approach it that says, like, I acknowledge that fear is real, but I'm not gonna let that stop me. Mm -hmm. Or I'm not gonna let that say that because of that, I'm I'm gonna do nothing today, or ignore it, or procrastinate on it. It's like, that can't be the solution. Because that only leads to what you've got so far, which is ignoring the problem. I feel like that's why it, it, fear can be, in that sense, a catalyst to change. It's like, it's not going to go anywhere. I have to do something about it. So right. let me lean into this and see where it goes. And in the case, if you deal with throwing up all the time, set a boundary in what you eat. Yeah. So you're not got chicken and tuna, <laughs> right. you know. <laughs> or it's kind of interesting because as you say that, I think, you know, because fear can be become a habit. I mean, and, and I think with media and so much out there, it's like you kind of got to limit yourself on what you intake because, mm. you know, there's so much out there. Like, yes, I was listening to a podcast the other day, have friends and um, they kind of jokingly, you know, it's like, all right, when the husband watches the kids, a lot of times he's, you know, they're watching TV or something. And so now he's trying to make an effort of getting them outside. And it's like, but you're watching them, right? Well, well, they're right outside, but that in itself is a fear of somebody kidnapping your kid when it's like, is it really that that bad? You know, and maybe it is, but I think just because we hear about it happening, mm-hmm. it creates a fear mm-hmm. that I don't know what the stats are, but I bet you it's not a whole lot more common, especially even with so much more technology. You think just like people breaking in cars. Right. You know, um, actually, my car was stolen out of my house, out of my drive. Whoa. But it was my fault. I left the keys in it, mm. and it unlocked. <laughs> <laughs> kind of asking for it, I guess. I, I kind of was. And then, I mean, I woke up, and I was like, so I don't have a fear that somebody's going to do it. It's like, just be smart and lock your doors, you know? Right. But anyway, so I think, uh, yeah, so like in that case with the guy throwing up, you know, you wonder, is it like, is that just a, a habit that 
they created through fear. Which I'm sure at this point it is. Yeah. It's 30 years right. into it. It's, right. it's no longer, well, at that point, it's like it went from maybe a real fear to just like you created this thing in your mind that no longer is. It's your process now. It's, it's yeah, it's your, it's your process or even like you have decided at some point, this is just who I am. And this is what I do. And I feel like that mindset is something that I've also dealt with in the past right. where I have to rethink that like, I'm no longer who I was before. Like I'm a new person and I need to become that new and healthier mm -hmm. version of mm -hmm. myself. Mm -hmm. And that, that means if I've been doing things like throwing up every single day, like I can stop that. I don't have to do that anymore. Right, right. yeah. So I guess that is that balance of going, or like you said, you just gotta accept it, that that is just gonna be some fear every time you step on stage, but you gotta push through it because you see the impact right. you know, you're making. So as you get, as you've gotten older and hopefully gained knowledge and wisdom, what advice would you give your younger self in regards to parenting, which you say you don't give a whole lot of advice, but yet you were a kid, uh -huh. so you could probably reflect on your parents uh -huh. um, or marriage um, or business in itself. Um, looking back, what would you say? All right, I do this or that different. Or, you know. That's a good question. It's one that I've thought of before as far as like, would I live my life any differently than I have so far? I think in part, I wouldn't change anything because I really like kind of my life has gone in a direction that led to who I am today. Um, the other piece of the puzzle, like the one where if I could change something, I think I would have opened my mind a lot sooner to the possibility of becoming whoever I wanted to be. Because I think for a long time, I like most of us do, we grow up in a world where we believe we can become the things we see. But if we're not exposed to more than that, it's hard to imagine us like doing more. Um, simple example, it's like, if I know I have friends who grew up with their parents were doctors. And so they, at an early age, said, well, I'm gonna become a doctor. I never considered medical field in any possible sense of me doing that, because I knew nobody who did it, that I didn't have any desire to look into it. But I feel like if I had been exposed to more uh, at an earlier age, I feel like I would have been able to open my own mind the possibility of me doing so many other things that I never even considered as a possibility. You know, I went to college in my own home state because I never thought that I could like go to college anywhere else. Like, why not? It wasn't until I realized I could study abroad. That was a genius idea. It's like, wait, I can get out of something, try something new. I feel like that's where I really began to turn a corner in my life. It was like, there's so much more that I could be doing. And so I want to see what those things are. I want to explore those things. Like, if anything, I wish that process would have started when I was three years old instead of, you know, 27 or whatever the case was. Yeah, and it makes me think what an influence people and things have on your life. Yeah. And even as a parent, I'm like, with my kids, it's don't let it, as you'll have a new one, don't let it slow you down to some degree, you know, enjoy those moments, but yet keep living your life because mm. having those experiences are what's going to open your kid's eyes, you know? So my oldest, he's like, yeah, I'm a, I want to be a realtor. And the funny thing is, I'm like, yeah, you can be a realtor. But then as you say that, I think, you know, maybe I make an, a conscious effort to give more experiences because mm -hmm. he might not want to do that, but it, we are so easily influenced, you know? And if you, and I think the politics, you know, everything that's been going on the last couple of years is a perfect example of how easy people are influenced. Oh, yeah. And they're not able to think outside the box or think for themselves. They're just, they read something. Oh, my God. Right. And I was listening to a, a podcast by Donald Miller. Um, mm -hmm. And he talked about, he's interviewing a guy that um, I think has a book he's releasing. And, uh, and it talked about, I don't remember the verbiage, but it talked about just being able to think for yourself that there's not always black and white. You know, 
um, there is a middle ground and there's pros and cons to everything in life, you know. Um, but it's, it's what you said is a great reminder of just the influence you have on people around you, mm -hmm. you know, and especially as a parent. <laughs> so true. <laughs> I mean, a three-year-old, you just saw, oh my gosh, the dude's like, he literally will do everything his brothers are doing, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's so cute, but yet if it if it's not a positive influence, it's not cute, you know? It's true. So uh, why podcast? What advice for people wanting to podcast? Well, I became a huge fan of podcasts as a listener. You know, after I graduated college and I got into personal development, I just got obsessed with listening to podcasts, you know, on the way to and from work. You know, whenever I had a free moment, I was just consuming and realized very quickly that, you know, my background in theater, my love of personal growth, uh, this, you know, I kind of have a natural radio voice. Like you put these things together, it was like, I need to be a podcaster, right? There's just no question about it. It was just like, when do I start a show and how fast can I make that happen? I think that if anything, what I learned was I started actually a podcast called Gibberish that was all three episodes long, and then I killed it off because it was a terrible show. And your brother um, gave you some good advice. My right? brother emailed me and said the show is terrible. Please stop doing what you're doing, uh, which is great advice. I love that, um, but also made me realize like not only do I want to become a podcaster, I want to be a great podcaster. Yeah. And so that meant I need to raise the bar in every respect. I need better equipment, better microphones. I need a better script. I need better content. I need to do my homework to make sure that when I produce a show, it's going to be a phenomenal experience. And it's like, that's what I have kept that focus for the last five years I've been podcasting now, what I call it professionally, in the sense that I, I put a lot of energy into every show. And I think like that's really what allows the show to do well is that it's not just some impulsive randomness. I, I didn't just turn microphone on and start talking. You know, I had I had a plan before I began to do anything, and that has made such a difference for me. So, what's your thoughts with that with planning? Because um, obviously, you just threw one out there probably initially. Then you're like, mm -hmm. all right, let's give it some thought. Right. Um, and even with you know launching Music City Real Estate Show, and it was fun, but then I was like just through actually talking to Angus, you know, mm -hmm. kind of gave me a, a new idea or basically is like, it's too busy. You need to simplify. <laughs> so I took that and, you know, some other advice. And, and now as I'm, now it's almost like I'm getting some content um, built up because there's a fear mm -hmm. of like, of going, oh, heck, I got to get another episode and we're on vacation and oh my gosh, you know, so you want that consistency. Right. Um, but yet then you also hear just like as I'm doing this and, and it's funny because as I'm talking and, you know, so I'm talking today, but I don't even know when this one will go out yet because I don't have the plan yet of mm -hmm. what I'll go. But I've also realized as I've gone over the last, this is probably the 11th or 12th one I've done and I've changed, I'm changing the questions up. I'm giving more thoughts. So it's kind of, funny to watch myself, you know, continually tweak it, tweak it. Mm. Now I say all that because, you know, there's also that part you get stuck in perfectionism mm -hmm. and you never get it out there because it's got to be perfect, you know? So how do you find that balance of wanting to have a good, good, you know, quality product, but yet sometimes you just got to push ahead, you know? You have to almost experience both of those extremes where sometimes you will push yourself so hard because you're trying to make it perfect and you'll kind of hit a breaking point where you're really mad at yourself, you're frustrated with it. I feel like it's good to experience what that feels like. And then also almost intentionally put out content you thought was like subpar to see what the response is to both of those. And what I've seen over time is my audience doesn't they don't see the value in the episodes that I push really hard for. Like, I think it's like a perfect episode. And they're like, 
what is just the same as the last one. Like they don't, they don't see it. It's all on my shoulders in the sense that I kind of created my own stress mm-hmm. around it for no reason. Because the question at the end of the day is, what's the impact on the listener? And if they don't notice or care, then why am I doing it? It's, not, it's, it's a personal thing. Right. And so my question was, like, what's going to help them the most? What's the most value to the listener? And so I did, I've done a lot of surveys over the years asking them, like, what episodes are your favorite? Why are those your favorite? Like, what resonates with you? And it seems to be, like the one you pointed out, about panic attacks earlier, it's like these episodes where I'm just being a human being. I'm just like opening up about something. I'm just sharing something. I'm not trying to be perfect. I'm not trying to, you know, be a professional. I'm just being myself. Those are the ones people love the most. I feel like that's what I've missed because as a a quote unquote like performer or entertainer over the years, I always have this sense of like, look at me, I'm Jeff Sanders. I've got the suit on, I'm on the stage. And I feel like that persona is so impossible to relate to. Like a a person in the audience doesn't care about me unless they they see part of me they can relate to or can like really resonate with. And so I have to share that. I have to open up with that. And it's easier to do that too because the bar is lower. I just get to be me. I don't have to be somebody else or fake it. Um, And so to that degree, it's actually a lot easier to do the work in that sense. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think with, you know, people that are dealing with fear and anxiety, you know, there's there's that aspect of just put it out there and you won't worry about it as much. Right. You know, like if you have a right. problem, it's like, you know, just be transparent about it. You know, and I think always, like I've always been a type that's like been pretty open and transparent. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I would put it as sometimes you just throw up on people. <laughs> and so I learned that, like, all right, you know, and, and I think maybe there's a sense of me feeling good. Because I think there's actually a, a, a feeling of, like, transparency. And even as I've been a part of Masterminds, like, mm. you see how you just are willing to say one thing and then it opens up other people that are struggling with the same stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yet there's also a part where, like, if you're if you're being transparent in a struggle, over mm-hmm. and over and over. At some point, it's like, dude, just shut up and do something about mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I know it makes you feel good you're telling somebody, but it's There's like, a limit to how it. much you can do with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, I mean, in my podcast, as an example, I only have maybe a handful episodes out of the 290 that I have where I've even done anything remotely close to that. So the vast majority of my content is nowhere near that um, because I know that, like, if you ha- you're playing your own violin all the time, just yeah. whining, and that's not going to work either. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, uh, yeah, the adult version of whining is complaining about something all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. All right, so tell me a little bit about your books. You got how many books, three books out? Uh, I have two that are published. Okay. One that I wrote that no one's ever seen. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> so um, that one may get published. It probably won't ever see the light of day, but that's fine. Uh, so, yeah, the first book that was published is called The 5 a.m. Miracle. It's just really based on the content of my podcast. So it's early mornings, productivity, how to really start your day off with a, you know, a bang. And then my latest book that's launching literally right now called The Free Time Formula, which is all about margin and balance. And it's not the antithesis of my first book, even though it sounds like these two are counter-opposing you know, books. And they really do work in tandem in the sense that you have this kind of ambition with the first book and then this realization of now let's find our ideal kind of, you know, dig into the work and then take a step back kind of process. So um, so that's the new book, is uh, that, that okay. balance there. Yeah, yeah, creating more boundaries, right? Right. Well, cool. Anything else on it? So that one really launches or releases or published or whatever this week? It's available right now. So yeah, freetimeformulabook.com. You can find it right there. And then with your 5 a.m. morning, right, if you buy that book, you actually call people, wake them up at 5 a.m., give them a rah-rah <laughs> cheerleader, right, everybody? Something like that? 
I don't make phone calls like that, but uh, but metaphorically speaking, sure. Yeah. Right. yeah hey, yeah. maybe you should create an app. I've with, been asked about that. You know, with a morning call yes. or something of you yes. know just a moment that, of that actually is a good idea. It's one that I probably should pursue at some point um, because most people I think that when they they get excited about something and they want to make it happen, right. on day one it's easy, and then day two it's like never again. They, they hate it, so it's. Well, and I even think it'd be a cool idea, um, like recently I was setting my phone alarm clock. Like I have one to where I get out of the bed, mm -hmm. but then I set my phone phone one and I was like, I should attach some songs to it that I like. Mm -hmm. So I wake up with some good music, you know, right. and so it'd be cool to have, you know, make some snippets, you know, mm -hmm. of motivation, you know, every morning alarm clock comes up. Hey, this is Jeff. Get your butt out of the bed <laughs> or you will die. You know, <laughs> so, Something like that. Yeah. All right. So from the great words of Timothy in 4-7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. When your journey is over, what legacy are you hoping to leave? It's a tough question. I, this is what I fought with for years. I really think that if anything, it's an energy and enthusiasm and a zest for life. I mean, that's what, regardless of the content that I'm, I'm speaking on, one thing that I always try to convey is a sense of just positive, you know, ambitious energy towards your life and saying like, whatever you're facing, whatever it is you want to achieve, you are excited about it. There's a real sense of desire to like make something positive happen with your life. And so that's what I bring to every episode of my podcast that I think people stick around for. It's just that sense of like, Jeff's excited on Monday morning, what's what's going on? I don't even know what the topic is, but like something cool is happening. I feel like that's what I kind of want to bring to the table. And I feel like if anything down the road, people might think back at the work I've done as like, Jeff was a positive force that like caused me to do something you know good with my life. Mm -hmm. I think that's what I'm going for. All right, awesome. Well, that's it. So uh, thanks for your time. Hey, and thank uh, you. tell the audience how they can uh, find your books and uh, and reach you your website and stuff. Yeah, I think the best place to go is jeffsanders.com. It's my home base with all my books and links and podcasts and courses and all the fun stuff is all there. So, yeah. All right, cool. Is that a cop helicopter coming to pick it, us up? It very well could be. <laughs> Probably delivering somebody over there. Um, all right, well, we will see you around. Now that you heard Jeff's story, go out and buy his books and grab a new alarm clock while you're at it to make sure that you get up in the morning on time. Make sure to control your morning. Go take a listen to Jeff's podcast as well and get motivated again to control your morning. If you have not picked up on it by now, I am a realtor in Nashville with Buckwalter Impact Group of Benchmark Realty. And obviously, I sponsor this show. You can reach me at 615-973-7657 for any real estate needs in the Nashville and surrounding areas, or if you are looking for a realtor in your market. Other sponsors of the show are Brandon Hutchison with Legacy Mutual Mortgage, and he would love to help you with any lender needs. He can be reached at 615-866-9468. And lastly, if you have any title or closing needs, give David Weber with Limestone Title and escrow a call at 615-730-7955. They close anywhere and anytime at no additional cost. All right, I'm gonna. Uh, I'll do one that uh, Lou Bryan cut on his Tailgate and Tan Lines album, and uh, I got a good story about this one. All right, cool. Tell. So like, 
I was going to visit my artist. I was managing Jamie Johnson at the time, and Luke and his manager got in the same elevator and meet with me, and we were going up, and he started singing this song, and I was like, how do you know that song? And he goes, well, I cut it on my album, and I was like, what? And he goes, that's why I'm here. I want to tell you that I cut it, and it it was really cool. It was a really neat little thing, so. Nice. Yeah, we'll we'll get into it here. down at the floating dock snug out scared didn't want to get caught we were nervous mm, but it was worth it and there was no such thing as consequence with her in my arms it finally made sense in that moonlight I saw her tan lines every time my feet are dangling in the water I can't help but think about her lying there with her wet hair. Didn't know what we were doing, but we didn't care. And that old wooden dock was warm on our backs. T-shirt for a pillow and just like that, she kissed me like she meant forever. But we were too damn young to know any better. fog rolled in she said i better go she took my t-shirt and wore it home a memory a souvenir she could keep and i stayed and watched that sunrise like it was waking up my life to what love was i could still see us every time my feet are dangling in the water I can't help but think about her lying there with her wet hair. Didn't know what we were doing, but we didn't care. And that old wooden dock was warm on our backs. T-shirt for a pillow and just like that, man. She kissed me like she meant forever. But we were too damn young to know any better. Every time my feet are dangling in the water I can't help but think about her lying there With her wet hair Didn't know what we were doing But we didn't care And that old wood dock was warm on our backs T-shirt for a pillow and just like that Man, she kissed me like she meant forever But we were too damn young to know any better you go bravo bravo <laughs> that made me cry yeah right next week mark Bronowski will be joining me you don't want to miss this story you will learn the impact of growing up in a musically talented family that all toured together it was some pretty cool stories within that thanks again for tuning in to nashville untold if you enjoyed the show make sure to subscribe and leave a review And also uh, tell some of your friends about it if you're in Nashville or outside of Nashville. 
Make sure to check out the show notes for more details on the guest and ways to connect with Jeff Sanders. If you are in St. Augustine in October, make sure to check out the second annual St. Augustine Songwriters Festival that's put on by Arliss Albritton. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter. We encourage you to leave us a rating or review on iTunes. And be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. To be a guest on the show or to share your thoughts, send us an email to podcast at andrewbuckwalter.com. Until next time, 